everybody. This is Dr. Alex Avila with Love University, and we're back. I'm an author, psychologist, and speaker. Every week, we talk about how to love ourselves, others, and a higher nature, how to improve our finances, relationships, career, mental, and spiritual health. And now with the pandemic, uh, a lot of people are suffering economically, financially. And we originally have been talking about the mentality of, of wealth and success. And we have a great guest on today that's going to help us with that. Uh, this is Amber Lilia Strum, who is a former Division I athlete, played uh, college uh, soccer, was a marketing expert also at the college level, uh, branding, uh, has a master's for, in sports administration. Uh, she's now a branding coach, author, speaker, podcaster, uh, featured on Forbes magazine, entrepreneur, working mother magazine. Uh, she does a seminar called Ignite Your Soul. And she's known as a dream alchemist and mamapreneur, which is kind of a cool term. Welcome, Amber, to the show. Thank you, Alex. I'm so excited to be here. It's wonderful. Now, you have an interesting background. You were in uh, sports. You were in marketing. And then you, have a spir- you had a spiritual awakening, which I want to get to. And mm-hmm. you kind of talk about uh, having your own business as a spiritual experience. You talk about being authentic to yourself and expressing your soul and things like that. And uh, you have certain interesting terms. I want uh, you to tell me a little bit about it. You say failure is not an option. Ignite your soul, and you were born for this. Can you tell us a little bit about those terms? How does that tie into business and spirituality? Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that the the bigger belief around all of the things that I might create and say is really that um, I think our lives are about coming home to the truth of who we really are. It's, it's this yes. discovery process. It's this aborning process. And yes. so... Um, when we talk about the granular of, you know, failure is not an option, I, I don't see how we could fail at our soul's calling, you know, and, and learning more about ourselves as we go. And so I think it's a term that isn't necessarily that helpful when failure just is simply information, it's data yes. uh, to guide us along the path. And, and um, I, you know, that reformation of that belief has been extremely helpful uh, along the way to let that that fear of, of failing end when it comes to what my soul's calling truly is. And so... Uh, my program born for this is is really that, you know, it's really it's a, a group and a, a space to welcome women in and a few good men here and there. I work with mm-hmm. men as well, but mm-hmm. mostly predominantly women mm-hmm. um, who feel that sense. And, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Alex, where they have this idea of something they want to do. They have this deeper purpose, but they just don't know necessarily how to wade into the waters to create that reality and yes. to change the course of history for their lives. And so really my work is, is about that. It's about helping people find their way through purpose and um, to create the sacred containers, which ultimately is, is the bigger picture of your brand and the elements inside of your brand that create transformation and give people the time and space to explore and to expand into the fullness of who they are. That's very interestingly said. Now, sacred container, that's kind of a, uh, kind of a nice term. Yeah. Uh, so we say that our bodies are kind of the containers of the soul. Yeah. Uh, so tell us more about that. So what is that internal thing that we're talking about? Uh, in Spanish, mm. we have a word called uh, don or don divino, which means gift from God. You know, our great talent. As yeah. you say in the, uh, in the New Testament, they talk about the parable of the talents. So um, tell us a bit about that, the container of the soul. How does that work? Yeah. Well, I think you said it there with a, we have these bodies, which are our sacred chance to be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation without these physical bodies in this particular way. And and so that's something I'm always grateful for. Um, But I do think that our brand is a sacred opportunity for us to be who we really are in business and for us to be able to intersect and interact with people by creating this, this brand. And I think it's really important to denote that I think a lot of folks are maybe confused about what brand, what a brand is or what branding is. And just like a soul, you can't hold it. You know, you can't, 
you can't grab it. It's not tangible. And brands are really the same thing. And so, you know, building your brand, it's like the soul of your business. It, you can't um, put it in a, in a, in a box, but you can feel it. And I think that is what I am here to help people extract, you know, and get to with those different, um, actions that we take to emote and to get to that feeling space. Yes. I see like a spiritual thread running through your work. Yeah. And you had a very interesting experience. You were a pregnant and you said you had a near death experience. You couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden your mind shift sh- shifted. Uh, you left your career in, uh, in sports management, which is very successful in marketing. And you started your own coaching and writing and all that. Uh, and then you became a mother as well. So tell us about that. That's a whole spiritual transformation as well. It really was, you know, I think motherhood in and of itself is a, is a total spiritual transformation, um, parenthood in general, right. If we zoom out for all of us, um, but carrying the body, having two hearts inside of you at the same time, you know, feeling someone else's soul with you. It's just, it's profound. Mm -hmm. And, um, on the day of my daughter's birth, I ended up having an emergency cesarean section Mm -hmm. and, um, had some complications with, the anesthesia or the block, if you will, for when they um, were putting me under um, for that part of the procedure and I stopped breathing. And I really, I just went through this beautiful, um, albeit challenging Mm. situation. You know, I was, I was in, yeah, I was in the space between, you know, and I really think about that. I, I, I was quickly recognizing that this might, I might not get to actually hold my daughter. I might not actually get to do this motherhood thing in the physical. And, um, you know, what I was met with there after first feelings of just frustration, you know, because I had this knowing I knew what I wanted in my life. I knew how I wanted to be serving and showing up. And the truth was I had just been leaving it on the stove without turning on the fire. You know, it was there, but I just wasn't doing anything for it. And I wasn't, I wasn't moving into the truth of what I knew for myself and for my life. And, um, fortunately, you know, in, in the space between for me, I went into this place of profound appreciation and reverence and gratitude. I I had an out of body experience. I saw my loved ones who were at the hospital and, um, I just, I just understood all of a sudden what it was really about, you know, and, and the, the gift of love and the gift of being able to not only give love, but to receive love. Hmm. Um, and that was profound. And so, you know, I, I came out of that changed, um, even if I didn't have the words or the capacity for being able to process it verbally yet, it was something inside of me. I, I like to think of it as a quantum leap in consciousness. It was just a new awareness and yes. add to that. I'm now holding mm-hmm. a, a child, um, which, you know, time just stops when you, when you meet your child. Yes, definitely. Well, it's very beautiful. Now we also talk about, and you mentioned this the idea of the, the coronavirus and the current situation kind of as a value shifting in society. Yeah. And, uh, I've done research with, um, personality types. I wrote some books on, uh, Myers-Briggs and all that. And so we have what are called the introvert people, the internal energy people. So in some ways we're becoming an internal society, at least right now. And even before that with technology, you know, everything's on demand. You can stay home, you can get entertainment, food, people can even date uh, online and all that. So everything's really changing uh, internally. Are we becoming, are we becoming an internal society? Do you think? You know, that's a really interesting question. I think that we're because um, uh, people con- are extrovert hate hate it, right? You know, are you extrovert yeah. or introvert energy, uh, Amber? I, I'm an I an I am an INFJ. Oh, okay, so, so you're definitely internal energy. So you're okay with in some ways staying I'm, home, cool. kind of thing, Yeah, right? I yeah. mean this this is how I wanted my life to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, however, not with the masks, not with people exactly. getting sick, of course, and, yeah. and, and I miss my I miss my people, and I miss yes. events. You know, doing live events, being able to be in person, heart yes. to heart with people, to exactly. different different experience. But yeah, I think, um, I think whether we want to or not, we're being faced with the invitation to look at our own inner world in ways that 
uh, many have avoided and have run from and um, have numbed out from. And I think yes. that is the time is up on that. Hmm. Plus, I think you said, I mean, there could be, even though there's tragedy and, and suffering, unfortunately death, there is some uh, uh, positives, the idea that people can work from home now more, uh, education can be online and, you know, we can kind of shift, you know, we do also what's called telehealth these days. Yeah. So a lot of things are changing, uh, maybe in a positive way that could be long-term uh, and, you know, connecting through Zoom and other methods is a, is a positive. Now you're in a, I call you the mystic writer, INFJ, mystic writer, someone that likes uh, spirituality, psychology, and you're a good listener, uh, probably a good uh, healer kind of person, but not everyone's different, uh, the same in personality. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, do you think that everyone should start their own business? Because I'm thinking, you know, we're very entrepreneurial in America and everybody wants to be racks to riches, but there are people that we call the security seekers, uh, also known as the sensing judger types that like their stable nine to five, their paycheck, their their, their pension. So uh, how do you say to people like that? Are there some people that should not have their own business? I think so. I think, you know, I think we all have our own path and our own needs and the ways in which those needs get to be met. And, um, you know, I have folks who I coach that they want to have their own business and maybe they started out thinking they were going to do coaching work or yes. con consultation work. And, um, ultimately what they're now doing is just being a support person, you know, yes. and, um, and maybe they're working with a, with a whole complement of clients, but they're the behind the scenes person, mm -hmm. you know, and we can't live without them. I mean, the team that I have, um, man, you know, it's so fun to talk to them about what it is that they desire, what their vision is for their life, and then to help them set up their role in our company in order yes. to complement those those personality types. Yeah, I see. Now you said you were in marketing. I guess you're doing very well uh, financially to a certain extent. Your your husband was a police officer, and both of you quit your jobs apparently. Yeah, and yeah. now you have a multi million dollar business. You're very successful. So you must have changed what we call the money mind. And I know you have a new book out called Master Your Money Mind. Yeah. And there are a lot of ideas and stereotypes about money. Some people think it's bad to have it. They feel guilty to have it. Other people almost worship it. They chase it as their identity. So what is the balance that we should have with money? Because there's a lot of literature out there, prosperity thinkers and law of attraction and, and other kind of things. So what do you think about the balance between having money and not having money? You know, to me, I think money is a tool to help us accomplish our goals, you know, our objectives, help yes. us do what we need to do, just like, you know, the, the wood to burn the fire and, you know, the water that we need to drink and we need to wash with and all that. I mean, money really is on the same plane. We just do what you said. We, we worship it. We make money a God or we make it a tyrant. And, um, I don't know that money necessarily wants to be personified. I think, you know, I, I say often, um, money is no different than the Wi-Fi that we're using right now to have this conversation. It's a tool to help us accomplish the tasks that we need to do. And right. if we can look at it like that, and understand that there are going to be some professions and some services and some products that are going to yield more money because right. they're set up that way, mm -hmm. you know, then you can kind of right size it. And that's really what, what Master Your Money Mind is about. And I think the other part of it is, you know, we live in an abundant universe, you know, just look outside. Look, did you, did you effort to make those flowers bloom? Did you have to do anything to get the leaves on the trees when the seasons changed? No. And so I remind us that everything is energy and money works the same way. Uh, just like, you know, getting to welcome in, you know, the like earlier as I was before I got in this conversation with you, I was sitting here uh, chatting with my team and a bald eagle and a hawk flew in front of my window and mm -hmm. they were like kind of fighting in the sky. And I thought, well, that's an interesting right. metaphor, isn't it? Right. Um, but I didn't do anything to make that happen necessarily. But look at the magical abundance I got to see just looking out my window today. Exactly. You know, they said the lilies of the field are beautifully clothed, even though they don't think about it. That's right. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, I talk about it, money is a loving energy. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, that resonates probably with meaning seeker personality types like us. The idea that, you know, we do something that you love for work and they receive this thing called money. It could be paper, it could be electronic, and then in appreciation for what you did. You take that money and then you buy goods and services and then you show appreciation to other people. So yeah. it can circulate in that way in kind of a loving, positive uh, way, which is a different way to look at it. Right. Uh, now, the other thing you talk about now, you, break, you have really nice uh, chapters that you wrote. One of them you call the big vision. You know, what is your big vision for your life? Uh, Napoleon Hill called it the definite purpose. You know, for example, Edison and a lot of these um, great scientists and, and leaders had this vision and mission in life. And you say that, what is it that you want to do for service? What do you want to earn? What do you want to give and receive in terms of love? Tell us a little bit about the mission. How do we discover that that big mission uh, in our lives? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um... Which we say it was called Don in Spanish, you know, the Don Divino, your talent. Yeah. Now, some yeah. people are afraid of their talent. Uh, typically, uh, introverted, uh, feeling people kind of hide it for many years. And then later on, they, they get into it uh, once they accept it. Right. Because it doesn't necessarily feel safe to bring it out into the open. It is such a sacred thing. I, I yes. absolutely understand that. And I think even just, you know, having a book out in the world is just such a tender experience to know it's like you're sort of laid out open everyone's reading this thing you know and yes. it's kind of you know I felt a lot of energetics around that last week when we launched it but um I think the way that you get to it is it's a lifelong journey and I think it's about um loving attention I think it's about devotion I think it's about noticing what makes you feel like you're coming alive and also the opposite mm. and and taking notes. And I think it's just, it's really, really fun. I love to do this process with my clients to fly over the timeline of their life and look at, you know, look at the experiences, look at how many skills you have, look at all the things that you've learned. And it's so curious how <laughs> you might have had this job that was the worst. And I actually tell a story about that in Master Your Money Mind that you just think, man, I mean, I was emptying trash cans and, and doing housekeeping work in the athletic department, which later became the place where I was the youngest associate athletic director in the history of the department. And I couldn't have connected those going forward. You know, that classic quote from Steve Jobs and I, but I could going back. And, um, that was the opportunity for me to make connections and to meet those administrators and to learn more about what they were doing and to ask questions and, and all of those skills, being a, an administrator, being a mentor to students, teaching at the university, being a marketing mind and, and being really dynamic in sales and all those things, all of those skills help me in my job today. I can see that. It's a stepping stone. Yeah. And one of the things people have is a fear. And you talk about uh, fear and love. And we had Marion Williamson on the show, which, um, you know, when she was running for president and talking about the whole idea of, uh, you know, perfect love casts out fear. And a lot of people have worries. For example, I don't have enough knowledge to do this. I'm not good enough to do this business or career. What I want to do, I can't do it. And you have an exercise where you say, think of the worries as a balloon and you let go of the balloon yeah, and it fades away. So how does that work? How do you let your balloon worries go away? If yeah. you know, They're very strong because they kind of keep pounding you every day. They do. I think you have to, to get to the balloon moment, Alex, you have to be ready. You know, you have to be ready to release. And I think there has to be this moment of surrender, which brings me back to the operating room scene for me. Mm -hmm. And the the answer, you know, the 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 moment where I came back, um, into my body and, and back into present time was in that decision of surrender, like really the act of surrender. And so I think it's about the exercise of looking at your life and looking at the places where you feel suffering and where suffering is, is holding you back. It's, it's getting in the way of you living into your purpose and making a decision. It's about discernment. Do I want to let this go or do I want to stay with it a little bit longer? Well, you know, a lot of us walk around with a whole 
big, you know, bunch of balloons and some of us might float away. We've got so many balloons in that bundle. But I think over time, you know, we get to let them go one by one on our spiritual journey on and everything is a spiritual journey anyway. Um, but, you know, you can call it your personal development journey. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Right. But I just love that visual of letting go instead mm. of fighting, because yes. I think, you know, um, I have a program called the Evolutionary Entrepreneur Collective, and I didn't want to call it the Revolutionary entrepreneur collective because a revolutionary while while it's powerful the movement is powerful it's also right. meaning you're fighting against something True. you're engaged in the fight yes. rather than allowing the evolutionary process to happen moving in a different direction creating a new model innovating mm -hmm. and that's really always been mm -hmm. my focus is saying we've got yes Houston we have a problem here but fighting the problem doesn't solve it. You're never going to get to the solution on the same frequency of the problem. And so how can we find the evolutionary path, the, yes. the innovative path? That's really a Definitely. philosophy for yeah, me. I see. And then also you talk about the memory lane or what we call uh, money stories. Yeah. So, for example, your dad struggled when you were a kid and then they you know, lost their house and went bankrupt. And then as an adult, you buy a big house you can't even afford. And underlying that is the emotional security needs that you have, but you don't realize that. Correct. So I'm sure you work with clients that may have emotional underlying currents that you have to, uh, you know, unearth to figure out, you know, why are they doing this? And, you know, is it healthy yeah. for them in a sense? Right, right. What is your experience yeah. with that, that part of it? Yeah, you know, I think the, um, the excavation process, while it would be really nice to be able to leapfrog that, is it, it, it's essential. We have to look back. And so that process for me was about understanding that scene when my dad came home from work and I was really young and I had watched a lifetime movie with my mom a few days earlier about a mother and her daughter who were homeless. And then I had this, I put two and two together of like, Oh, we're going to be homeless because dad just lost his job. I didn't wow. know any other story, but I also didn't have the words to communicate that to my family. And okay. so I took all this pressure on myself as a kid um, even to the point where, and this comes back around to the soccer story, you know, my dad was a division one athlete himself. He had a scholarship to go to college. And so I knew in my mind, oh, that's a way to pay for college. And so I made a decision at nine years old. I didn't want to be a burden to mom and dad. I'm going to find a way to be good at a sport. I'll figure out what it is. And it mm -hmm. ended up being soccer at nine, 10. Okay. Um, and that way I'm going to pay for myself to go to college. And so I think what the reason I'm telling you the story is because you have to look back at how your brain organized that at how your former you self did that, that construction, because those are the pathways. Those are the patterns. Those are the programs, as you know, in our brains that we continue to operate within yes. as we get older. And, um, I was still toggling in some of those stories as a new entrepreneur, it, you know, when we have new experiences, it almost like re-traumatizes and brings forth some of these patterns that we didn't realize we were really living in. Yes. And once you have a more conscious awareness of it, once it's illuminated, right? So mm -hmm. there's an excavation to illumination process. Right. That's when you get to go to the activation to, mm -hmm. to manually work at shifting those, yes. those pathways. And that's a process mm -hmm. that I, you know, really support my clients mm -hmm. with as well. Yeah, I mean, we call it in cognitive behavioral psychology, um, cognitive restructuring. Yeah. Uh, you call it reframing. Yeah. So the, these money myths that we have, like, um, I think you said, like, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. In Spanish, we have one that says, uh, mucho trabajo, poco dinero, which means too much work, too little money. Yeah. So people grow up with these kind of uh, self-limiting beliefs. Now, you say uh, you have some, another phrase. You call it po prosperity patterning. I think you said something mm -hmm. about the more I make, uh, the more joy I have, which may not be necessarily the case, right? It's not Correct. always a correlation <laughs> with that. Uh, right. And then, so basically, I think you said something like, if you have six months to live, how would you yeah. spend your money, your time, and energy? 
That sounds like a pretty good exercise. Uh, people don't really think yeah. about that. Uh, and you yeah. actually had that happen to you, right? When you were in the hospital bed. I did. Uh, yeah. You know, actually my editor, she laughed. She was like, geez, mm. you're just going right for the elbow drop here, <laughs> huh? And I said, well, I mean, we don't have time to waste here, my friends. Like, let's get honest, you yes. know? And actually I was watching, um, I was watching an interview last night with Matthew McConaughey uh, and Oprah, actually. And he was oh, okay. he was talking about this very, you know, this kind of question. He said, you know, write write your eulogy. And you've heard other people refer yeah. to that. But write your right. eulogy. Think about what's going to be said. Right. And think about, you know, are you happy with what they're saying? Does it feel right. like really what you want? And right. I think that we have it's, – it's extremely helpful as a human to think about that future and it frankly was, it was a huge catalyst for me to leave my job because what I knew was it was not going to say associate athletic director for marketing and strategic initiatives on my headstone. Mm. And uh, my life was completely lined up to be 100% focused on my career. And I knew I needed to make a change mm. and I wanted to move in the direction of myself. And I think the bigger thing, Alex, was I had always felt like I was in a rush, you know, for like, mm. All the days of my, I was always rushing to something, always on to the next thing, on to yes. my job, on to, on to work, on to the next event. Right. And um, I wanted to be present. I didn't want to miss the moments I couldn't get a, a replay on. I wanted to be there for my daughter's first steps and her first words and all yes. those sacred moments that you will take with you for your whole entire life, you yes. know? And I just knew I was out of alignment and out of integrity with how my life was set up in the way that I really, truly wanted to be living. That makes sense. Now, there's another concept in your book. That kind of ties into what's called the positivity set point or the happiness set point. Mm. We have kind of a, a range, uh, possibly biologically uh, developed, of happiness. So sometimes you have a great event like a lottery winner, but then after that period of time, they go back to more or less the happiness they had before. Or even people who have an accident may go back to the previous level of happiness after the accident. So there's kind of like a range. They say that like it may be half genetic, 50% genetic, and then 50%, it can be something that we can change in our brain, the brain plasticity. So we can learn basically certain things to raise our happiness level. Uh, but other things are, you know, let's say a set, you know, say a set point. And I think you mentioned there's a lot of negativity in the world, you know, negative news and negative things going on. And people tend to focus on the negative because, yeah. you know, biologically helps us survive. Obviously, back right. in the caveman days, uh, you know, if there's a tiger coming at us, you know, that's the negative part. we got to focus on that. But, you know, we have different things today. We have, you know, constant stimulation through technology. And one thing that they found that is interesting is that, Happiness, in terms of the uh, internal side of it, there are three components. One is called internal locus of control, which is the idea that, you know, we can control what happens to us, our ability or efforts, as opposed to luck or other people. People who have high internal locus actually are happier because they mm -hmm. can, uh, you know, take care of their success and take responsibility uh, for that. Uh, the other thing is they have positivity uh, traits. And I think you mentioned gratitude is one. Uh, you know, having a gratitude journal, writing through things you're grateful for every day, uh, actually increases happiness by 30%. Another thing is something called uh, socialization, you know, being able to be connected with people, having a social social energy level. And also having what's called a no, uh, no win-loss kind of paradigm. So in other words, you're cooperative instead of competitive. Right. So tell us about, I know you mentioned some of those things in your book. So tell us a little bit about how do we raise our happiness set point? How do we get a little bit higher in our happiness levels? You know, I really think that it's helpful to notice when you're not happy. <laughs> I okay. think that it's it's really helpful to notice the negativity bias and to understand yes. that um, and how that works and to be paying attention to it. And you know, I give an example of going to your local grocery store or convenience store and how often do you ask the person, how are you doing today? And they're, <laughs> oh, I can't wait till I get out of here, you know, and, and I just, those types of things that hearing that messaging over and over again, and then, and then participating in it and saying, oh, I hear you, you know, the way, and trying to like engage there is a habit 
that is, it's only perpetuating that pattern. And so I think for us, it's, it's about the pattern interrupt and paying attention to it. I think it's having the awareness of these concepts of, oh, right, I, I've been living in a competitive plane. I mean, I was a division one athlete, and then I worked in division one athletics. So yes. let's talk about competition. Okay. It's like in my blood, you know, right. I, I, it's, I was gonna ask it's, you, because uh, you mentioned that uh, cooperation or creativity is a better mindset. But yes. in sports, it's competitive, right? I mean, you're not going to have a tie game. you got to beat your opponent. Yeah. So, so how do you do that? You say a competition is bad, but it can be good in some ways. How would well, you it can it? be. It can be good, but I think for the sake of the game, right? And to remember yes. that what we're talking about is a game. Yes. And also that game was tethered to my livelihood and, mm. and you know, my measurements of success. And so yes. um, I think that's all just really interesting data to look at. You know, back then it, it was real for me that I wanted to win. Um, I don't think you participate in those types of activities and, and not desire that. I still play soccer with a women's league and... You better believe I want to win when I'm on that field. Okay. So you're a highly but competitive person. You like to, I, I just, it's, like, yeah, I, did, I am. Um, but I would also say, <laughs> it's funny. So recently I had my website redesigned and the, um, the agency said, you know, asked him one of the queries, who is your competition? And I just wrote N-A <laughs> because I really don't, I said, this yes. isn't an applicable question for yes. me. I don't, I'm not in competition with anyone. Right. Um, this is my soul's calling. This is the work that I'm doing. And so- mm. You know, I have I have a, an interesting perspective on that. I of course I want to win on the soccer field when I'm playing, but at the end of the day, it's not going yes. to ruin my day if I don't. Yes. And in my business, I'm not competing with anyone. I'm not even competing with myself. That's that doesn't mm. even make sense. I'm just mm. elevating myself. Mm. Um, and I think there's also another mantra that I really believe in that I think for a lot of the women that I serve uh, feels like an exhale when I say it, but it's just very simply put: try softer. Because we've been so socialized that there is this masculine model of achievement that we have to plug into in order to do. And, and the creative plane isn't, doesn't work that way. If you want to be in creation, you want to, it's really about softening. It's about opening. It's about seeing beyond. It's seeing the way under the way. It's tapping into the, to the, the, the wellspring that's available to us in the unique way it wants to come through. And so that for me has been a mantra that I remind myself of if I feel that grip kind of coming, you know, the pressure feeling, the energy of I need to do all of these things. Right. I decide. I don't I don't have to. I get to decide when I do things in my business. So, you know, that's one of the most beautiful things about being an entrepreneur is that you get to choose. Yes. Well, it's kind of like the Eastern approach, you know, Taoism, uh, effortless effort, you know, going with yeah. the flow. Yeah. You say, uh, you know, and reducing that um, – Effort that, you know, can be contrary to what you want. Right. And the other thing is, I was thinking, you know, there is a lot of envy in society. And we mm -hmm. call this uh, upward comparison. You know, typically, when you compare yourself with someone who's doing better than you, you feel worse. Yeah. If you compare yourself to someone who's doing worse than you, you feel better. Uh, but then we have what's called inner comparison, which is comparing yourself to the way you were as you're making improvements. You, you feel better, which is actually probably a more positive approach. They actually did a study where they found that people that win the lottery, their neighbors often go broke and bankrupt trying to wow. keep up with them. They, they buy more, more things to keep up. Wow. So that's a, that's a problem. I, I can see that. Especially, I think you mentioned social media. People see people having yeah. fun in, in uh, Tahiti or something. And you're stuck you know, doing something. So that's the issue in terms of that, uh, getting people to be less, uh, you know, down upper comparisons. Yeah. Uh, what, what's, your, yeah. Uh, what's your approach on that? How can you be content with oh. what you have? It is such a conversation <laughs> that we have constantly. Um, we we coin it as comparisonitis, and um, the women that I work with, it's a it's an ongoing topic. You know, it's the caring what other people think, 
and the perception of what other people think and trying yes. to perform for that. And, you know, um, for me, the philosophy, and I'm certainly not immune to it. I still have my own challenges with that at times that are a bit subconscious. It's really something I'm trying to pay more attention to, to notice the places where it still comes up. But I think the bottom line is I know what my soul's calling is. I know what my big vision is for my life and no one else has that vision. And, and even if it sounds similar on paper, no two visions will be the same because no two souls are the same. So what is your uh, soul's calling, Amber? Let's say, can you say it in a phrase? Like one of those, um, you know, little vision statement mm. things. Yeah. Um, it, it's to, it's to come home to the truth of who I really am. And I think I'm going to keep doing that all the way until I leave this body. I mean, it's just, it's just that it is, um, opening the portal to access, you know, the, the unseen and to be able to figure out how to, in some human way, express that, you know, as a writer, writing, writing is really important to me. And I have another book coming out in 2021 called Paddle Home. Oh. And it's, um, the, the sub is, uh, surrendering to the stream of our true being. And mm -hmm. that's the work, you know, I want to continue to do that and, um, to continue to walk with others on the path to help them open and to, and to retrieve that truth within themselves. Um, I want to have more babies. I want wow. to, um, you know, do family and, and love mm -hmm. well and, and leave that legacy of love. That's really the most important thing, um, that I could possibly do. I like that legacy of love. Yeah. Love universally. That's our whole uh, idea. Yes. To extend yes. loving energy without expectation. That's right. Uh, it's a powerful so thing. Uh, unconditional. Now, the other thing is you talk about, this is kind of cool, is to be intentional with your word. Uh, Don mm -hmm. Miguel Ruiz, you may know the four agreements, yeah. he says, be impeccable with your word. Yeah. So basically, your words have a lot of power, and the words you say to yourself can influence your mind. Uh, for example, you mentioned it's too expensive is a common word that people use, and that separates them from what they really want uh, within themselves, you know, their authenticity. Right. And you mentioned something about you had this big seminar that cost you like five figures or something you were kind of afraid to go to because of the expense. And then you realize that if it's authentic to you, then it's worth it. Yeah. So what happened with that? What was that a seminar, by the way, that you went to? Um, so it was a mastermind, actually, that I was invited to join. And uh, I was really nervous, you know, about it for a lot of the reasons that we just talked to about yes. the comparison. I just think like, right. I, do I belong? Can I do this? And, you know, the investment level was the most that I would have ever made in my business to date. And yes. so... Yeah. Um, but I, I knew with 100% certainty that it was a, it was a fit that energetically it felt right for me. Um, I I'm a generator in the, in human design. So I get, I have sacral authority and I had a sacral beat drop. That's what I call it. Like, I just knew my gut was saying, you have to say yes to this. And it, it ultimately was an experience that helped me to help my husband, um, mm -hmm. end up ultimately retiring from his job. So wow. there were so many amazing things that opened mm -hmm. as a result of that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was just really mindful around my, my language, you know, around it and saying, um, in the present moment, I do not have all of the money I need to make this investment, but I do have enough to make a deposit. And, mm -hmm. and so I did that and I said with an affirmed, you know, I will bring the balance when I get there, when I come to LA for the, for the event, which was like right. a week or two later. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, and we, we launched a program mm -hmm. and, and I also think it's important to say here, it's like, it's not just a magic wand situation. Mm -hmm. I had, um, built this audience. I had been working for this. I hadn't launched this program. It was like mm -hmm. divine, perfect timing for me to put this offer out into the what world. What was the name of the seminar? Who, who put it on? Um, my, my friend Lewis house and it was his greatness mastermind and, oh, okay. and yeah, so I joined for, uh, that for two years actually. Oh, okay. And, right. um, it was just tremendous in terms of the types of people we got to meet and work with and right. learn from and publishers I got to connect with and all hmm. of that. It was just a really beautiful enriching experience. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Now, uh, you know, the, like, you know, the words that we use are very important. Now, I often say to people, are you excited? And they sometimes look at me funny. What do you mean excited? What are you excited about? So like you said, a lot of people may have a more negativistic uh, uh, mindset. Yeah. But to say, you know, what are you happy about? What are you, you know, grateful about are positive things. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we get to, um, I guess, a very interesting thing. You must have loved M&Ms when you were a kid. <laughs> because you have a lot of M's in your last phrase, right? Yeah. Did you yeah. like Did you like M and M's as a kid? By the way. I mean, I still like M and M's. Oh, you still like? Oh, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> okay, you've been to the Vegas? Uh, they have an M M&M, and M thing there, uh, like a store. I, I haven't. No, yeah, but it's, it's, we'll it's, have to put it on the list. Yeah, it's huge. Just travel it's, again. It's, it's <laughs> so you have something. I think you call it um, uh, Master Your Money Equation, uh, yeah. and then Money Magnet, and then you have something like called the Mission. Uh, the Mission is you know what you're doing and why. Uh, when I teach college uh, psychology. Uh, we talk about motivation and uh, from the root motive, which means to move toward or away from something. Right. So I ask, you know, why are you in college? Why are you sacrificing you know, your family, you're working and other things, you know, to go to maybe a night class? And they say, well, I want a better career. So then I go deeper down. I ask, and why is that? I want to make more money. And I ask, but why is that? So you got to go deeper down. Well, because yeah. when I was a kid, we, did, we struggled and I want my family to have money. I say, why is that? I want my kids to be proud of me. I want to help them graduate from college and be the first or to go to college or something. So, I mean, things right. like that. You know, right. So, going deeper down in that true motivation is what really propels them to do that if they know what it is. That's and right. sometimes people either don't appreciate or don't understand their motivation. So, how did you find your motivation? I know you're a speaker, author, and all this, uh, and you were doing the marketing thing. So, what was inside mm-hmm. you all this time? Yeah, I love that question. You know, intr- intrinsic motivation, it's something I've always had. Um And I think, you know, if we go all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way deep down, I suffered and struggled a lot as a kid. Um, I went through a pretty challenging experience Uh, as a really young child. I was sexually molested and then I testified against my abuser in court. And um, I watched I watched what it did to my family. I watched my the the suffering that my mom went through of the guilt and the shame and the the sorrow because it was under a child care provider who happened to be an extended family member. And. Um, my mom was an entrepreneur and she was a really, really successful and talented photographer. She had her own studio and she was booking other photographers for corporate clients. And she was really ahead of her time. I mean, so much so that she was able to put the whole down payment on our home, my, our our childhood home. And, um, she sold her business, you know, after this, this trauma happened, she sold it and she never picked her camera up again. And I think, um, I think that I saw, I saw her pain, um, in, in the ways that it came forth. And I saw the dysfunction of, of my mom's family and how that impacted her and impacted us. And I just thought to myself, you know, I remember as a young child, like really paying attention to these things, really paying attention to the nuances, noticing my friends, parents and how they lived and what, what was happening for them and noticing what made my family happy and noticing where there was struggle and, and just taking a lot of notes and thinking, I want to create a different reality. I want to live a different reality and I want to be able to give back. I want to help my family. Um, I definitely, there's a lot of like fixer energy in there, you know, uh, that was certainly not helpful. I, I had an eating disorder for about 15 years, um, for my teen years into my twenties while I was an athlete, I was able to really like hide it there, but it was simply a coping mechanism as you know, how these things play out yes. because I was, there was emotional, unresolved emotional, um, trauma that I was still trying to work through. And it was a control mechanism for me to feel safe. And so I think really at the core, um, it was. I want to create a different reality for us. I want to show my parents that I'm okay. 
Yeah, that's very powerful. I, I can see that. That's that's going deep down into the yeah. true motivation. Right in there. Go yeah. all the way down and get to the <laughs> you're, roots. You're yeah. Into it. And yeah, yeah, Victor Frankl, the psychiatrist that was in concentration camps in Nazi Germany, uh, he said, if you know the why, you can bear any how. That's right. And then, you know, some of those people uh, had a reason to live. You know, for example, I want to see my grandchildren graduate from college. I want to write a book and see my family again. And others didn't, you know, and they didn't uh, survive the, the, the five, four or five years. So the right. ones that did, had the why survived, the meaning in life, the purpose. Now, the other thing you talk about is also momentum, or actually motion. Uh, motion mm-hmm. is taking action. And here's where a lot of people have a problem. I think you talk about procrastination. And I think you mentioned the term launch ugly, which yeah. means like just get it out there. Uh, yeah. And also I talk about their writing, right? Maybe crap, something crappy, but just get it out there. And, and, and get it out there. And, and start yeah. to get the, the, the motion. Is that something important to you? To just to get yeah, it absolutely. You know, and I think as an athlete, it's a, it was a great place for me to learn that. You know, how many yes. days could I, I couldn't even count the number of days that I didn't want to go to practice or right. go to the field by myself and kick the ball because I didn't have anyone to play with for a lot of years, you know, right. and I would just kick it and do sprints and learn how to kick a long ball and practice and do it a million times. And, you know, I, but I had that, I had that goal. I had that target, that motivation. And so that, that's, I mean, I don't, if you don't have that, then why, why would you get in motion? It doesn't make any sense, you know? So I think it's really understanding that deep why, connecting to that and, and getting at it and also getting help if it's hard for you to do that. There's nothing wrong with being confused about your why and or, right. or feeling like an imposter when it comes to your why and feeling right. like, who am I to have this vision? I mean, I think anyone who's ever had a big dream has probably felt that way. Um, but I think motion, obviously, it's, you, you, you don't get from point A, point B without motion. Right. They say once the body is in motion, it often stays in motion. Yeah. And you need that little incremental goal. Like, say, I'm going to work out at the gym for 15, 20 minutes the first time and maybe 30, you know, and kind of build it up. Uh, you get in the flow, as they say, you know, so you start to get that, that power. And then finally, I think you have uh, what is called magnetism, mm. which I think of like charisma, you know, people that really believe in something powerful and then they attract people to work with them and help them. Yeah. And if they have the value, others come to that. So that's a very powerful thing. Now, can you teach magnetism or charisma? What if someone is uncharismatic? They're kind of, uh, you know, not that charismatic. Can you help them <laughs> <Yeah>. with that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I think what it comes down to is um, if they're creating motion, motion, which ultimately leads to momentum, and they have momentum in what it is that they're doing, uh, they and that there's value there, you can magnetize with that. It doesn't, nobody, we don't all have to be, you know, at the level of our favorite performer or mm-hmm. singer in right. order to have success. Um, chances are, if you aren't that charismatic, that might not be your goal anyway, because that would make you really uncomfortable because it would have push you to have to step beyond, you know, but I think there are so many different shades of, of what that looks like and out there. Um, and that's one of the most beautiful things about being human is that we don't all have the same favorite singer, performer, writer, uh, my favorite author is Mark Nepo, and there are so mm. many people that have no idea who he is. Mm. And I just go, how do you not know who Mark Nepo is? <laughs> is, that, you is, know? He, is he self-help or is he something else? Oh, my gosh. He's, you got he's, some books of him? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, this was his book, The Book of Awakening, oh, um, okay. was wow. uh, Oprah. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's wow. called Having the Life You Want by Being Present to the Life That You Have. Okay. Uh, it's a well-loved book. I have many of his books. He's been okay. on my podcast three times. And it's really, he's really to talk, you know, here to talk about that inner journey and that inner discovery process. So, okay. you know, and you don't even know who he is and which I can't exactly. wait. I'm so excited now <laughs> that you get to get some Mark Nepo books. I like that. I like that. Hopefully I'll be your second best author if you read Love Types or something. One of my oh, books. Oh yeah, be... <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> now let me ask you, uh, what's one of the biggest investments you've ever made that paid off for you? And it could be time, energy, money, whatever it is. 
I mean, I know you mentioned the seminar, but yeah, besides that, yeah. anything else, um, meeting your husband, I guess, or I mean, whatever else that you did. Oh my gosh. Um, what a question. You know, I think, yeah, I, I, it probably, it was meeting my husband and making the decision. He, my husband and I, we both were a second marriage. Okay. Um, we were, we both were married in our twenties to our mm. first marriages, ah. very short lived. Mm. And then, you know, we got married. How old was I? I must've been like 29, um, wow. or 30, so, but so you weren't afraid to get back in the, the thing again. I mean, some people take time know, off because the, the pain of it. The, that's, that's a good question. I think the, the way it was just, we just knew. You know, we met and we just knew. And I think that that is trusting that, you know, trusting, trusting that love, even though we both were shaky, um, because what our marriage has done, um, has opened, you know, the, the doorway for, for everything, you know, for my opportunity to be a mother for this amazing place that we get to live. We live on a lake in New Hampshire and wow. it's, as I said, you know, bald eagle and hawks and <laughs> this just amazing place where I get to reconvene and connect with nature in a really deep way. Yes. Um, you know, we just, we give each other the, the love and the support in an unconditional way to go forth and, and do what our soul's callings are. And we've really set our life up that way. And so, yeah, you know, his partnership, his friendship, um, his love and support is really the wow. greatest gift. Yeah. I hope he's listening to this right now. Is he getting sentimental over there somewhere in the, in the corner? <laughs> he's actually, he's picking our daughter up from school right now, <laughs> okay. but he'll probably listen later. Okay, that's great. That's a little love story that you have. Um, yeah. Now, if you could tweet one phrase to the world, what would that phrase be? It would be, if the dream is in you, it's for you. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that. Yeah. So it has to be the passion within yourself and that, that can be something ma manifested eventually. That's right. Yeah. Now, is there anyone in your life um, that you consider to be a superhero? That could be uh, some people actually like world of superhero cartoon stuff or uh, maybe a role model, alive or dead. Uh, mm. Who would that be? I know you mentioned this author. What was his name again? The, what you uh, said? Mark Nepo, N-E-P-O. Okay, Nepo. But I mean, otherwise, um, you could say your parents, I don't know, or, or yeah. God. No, I mean, my mom. My mom, mom for sure. Yes. Yeah. My mom... Um, has overcome so much and she's resilient and, um, you know, she just, she's taught me, you know, everything at the core and she's kept our family together through so many challenging times. And wow. she's really helped my brother. And I think, I think, um, create the families that we have in so many ways by setting that example and, um, persevering. And I mean, as a kid growing up, we would have, my mom was working at sometimes three jobs, and, and she would come home from work and still make dinner, put light candles, put music on. And we would have that experience, you know, every single night. And, mm -hmm. and we do that here in our family. And so, really? yeah, I think she just really helped us to, to live in, in our values and what really matters the most and to not forget the importance of family. I see. Well, it's been so wonderful having you on the show. Now, uh, I want to find out what are you excited about in terms of your activities? I know you do what coaching, speaking, writing. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and tell us your website and you know, where can we learn more about you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I'm over at amberlilystrom.com and you can check out the podcast over there and all the programs and things like that. Um, you know, we're right at the end of the time we're having this conversation. It's the end of 2020. And so yes. we're planning into the new year. We have our Born for This program coming up again, starting in January in my Inner Circle Mastermind, which is a year long journey with an intimate group of like 14 or so women. Mm -hmm. Um, with in-person retreats, which we are totally crossing our fingers about as we look to the horizon of 2021. Mm. Um, and also the book Paddle Home that I told you about. Um, and another, actually another book I co-wrote with a dear friend, it's called Quantum Wealth. And mm. so 
Yeah. I mean, just, I'm, I'm excited about it all. There's so many wow. fun things going on. I'm mm. excited that I get to go to my daughter's riding lesson this afternoon and watch her ride. It's like, you know, each day is, is, okay. um, is different. And wow. it's, you sound like a Gemini. You have so many things going. What's, yeah. Do you know yeah. What, I'm, I'm a Virgo actually. Oh, Virgo. But, okay. Yeah. My, my son's yeah. a Virgo. Okay. Oh, so yeah. they're very stable and kind of very powerfully minded. So let yeah. me see. So you do the coaching, you do coaching one-on-one too? As well? I do. Um, I do through the Inner Circle Mastermind. So yeah, group group coaching. Excuse me, group coaching programs, okay. and then the Inner Circle has the one to one um, component. Okay, you have it. some uh, tapes and things like uh, some kind of uh, tape programs and all that. Yeah, I have a couple downloadable programs, brand new breakthrough, and a couple others. And yeah, I, I just encourage you to go check out the site and see mm-hmm. what um, what you know feels exciting to you and and explore. Yeah, tell us that because I was trying to figure out your name and that was kind of a tricky. Lilia Strum, I think you said right. Yep. Uh, how do you spell that for the people, the website uh, part of it? Oh, yeah. Great. Um, L-I-L-Y-E-S-T-R-O-M. Okay. And we love it because Lily Estrom has the word yes in it. Oh, so are you serious? We- okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, it was wonderful having you on the show. And if anyone wants to talk to uh, us about the show and have questions, you can reach us at loveuniversity.love. Write to us at loveuniversity at gmail.com. Call us at 310-226-8090. And again, uh, Amber's been wonderful having you show. We'd love to have you on again. I mean, uh, you got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, apparently, you're a whirlwind of, of love and activity. So we definitely like that. And the idea is, uh, you know, love and prosperity go together. You know, yeah. uh, loving yourself, others, and loving the higher nature, you know, whether it's God or spirit, whatever you believe in. So if you have all those three connected, then prosperity, wealth, and everything good in life comes to you, which is not just money. I mean, money is part of it, but it can also be wealth and, and finance, uh, wealth and love, wealth and health, wealth and happiness. Amen. Amber, Thank you, my thanks friend. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> okay. That was a great interview with Amber Lilia Strum, an amazing woman who's done a great deal in her life, coaching, speaking, writing, inspiring many women and also men uh, to be their best, to find their inner passion, their love, and to actualize it, to make it come true. Because if you have it inside you, but you don't express it, then it's like it's, it's not doing much. But you want to achieve your greatest Don, as we say in Spanish, don divino, your great talent or gift, and and use it to help society and others as well as your own family and yourself. If you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you can reach us at Love Letter U Podcast. Also, if you can like us on Facebook at Love University Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and write to us at loveuniversallylove at gmail.com. Until next time, Dr. Alex Avila, Love University. So go out this week and have the money mind of success and the riches, not just financial, but also in love and health and happiness. And give to others, be grateful for everything you have and be optimistic that the world will become a better place. Until next time, Dr. Alex Avila, put away your notebook, your iPads, your phones. This is Love University. 